0: You, uh, And if you're like, I don't fill in blanks, I just want to listen to the preacher preach, I can, I can relate with you, that's good too. So you can do whatever, but there is a set of notes. I want you to grab a Bible. You're going to need to have a Bible in your hand uh, So and go to Nehemiah chapter 8. And so if you don't have a Bible, there should be maybe one in the pew back in front of you or there's probably one on your phone or something like that. We want you to have it, Nehemiah chapter 8. That's where we have been over the last several weeks, uh, journeying through this book of Nehemiah, discovering that God gives fresh vision uh, for ways that he wants to utilize us to build, to renew, to restore uh, that which is often lost in this life. And so we're continuing on that journey. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump right into uh, his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that um, you're here in this place. You're among your people And you have profound things that you want to say. So you want to speak to us. You want to share your heart with us. You want to share truth with us. And it's all in your word. Every ounce of it, everything we know about you is because of the power of your word. So God, make your word come alive. Let your word have its way in us. Let your word... Speak to the deep places in our hearts. Let your word have its dominion over our lives. We want to hear from you. Thank you for being with us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So here's a question. What, what recharges your battery? You ever thought about that? What is it that like recharges you when you kind of go and go and go? We live in this culture that's just go, 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 go all the time. And, uh, and if we're not careful, we can get really run down. So my question for you is what, what recharges your uh, batteries? I know, I know what recharges my battery. Typically, it involves getting just a few guys together and, and guys that I love, guys that I trust, getting those guys together. And then we find some portion of the cow and we throw it over an open flame. And that's how I, my batteries are recharged. That's, that's like, that's what I want to do. If, I, if I'm like, look, if I feel a little bit fried or frazzled or just stuff's going on, let's find some buddies and then let's, let's just uh, throw a dart at the cow and then let's cook that over some coals. And that's what, we, that's what I like to do. My wife is completely different. Um, my wife, for her to recharge, she just, she, um, she ascends up into a cloud. No, not really, but what she, no, but it's, what she actually does is she, she doesn't want to get with buddies or, or hang out, and, and though she does love cow because I've, I've convinced her that it's delicious, um, that's not her thing. What she just, she wants to go, and she'll like go get in a car by herself, turn on music, get into the landscape. And then become transcendent and then like hear from God and all these, it's amazing. <laughs> my wife, I'm like, oh, I just want to eat some steak, you know, and, and my, my wife come back and she's like, I just had this total download revelation from God. It's amazing. And I'm like, I might need to work on something here. I'm a, maybe my recharging my batteries is not working very well or I need to work on it. But everybody has something different that recharges your batteries. Maybe your thing is like running. If you're kind of one of those crazy people that thinks that like running is awesome, you like to run, and that recharges your batteries. Or uh, some of you are real freak shows and, and cleaning the house recharges your batteries somehow. I don't know, just God loves you. Somehow that works for you. That's awesome. There's lots of different ways Uh, we get recharged. Everybody gets recharged in a different way, but the issue of being recharged and getting refreshed is a big deal. Uh, It's significant for our lives because God is one who provides life. That's what he does. He's a creator of life, and when we feel like life is being zapped from us or life is being taken from us, there's no more important thing we can do than being recharged, all right? Because whatever you feed grows, and whatever you starve dies. You can throw that up on the screen. Whatever you feed grows, and whatever you starve dies. So if you find yourself going and going and going and going all the time, making, taking care of these things and this responsibility of this thing, and I got to make sure I make the money over here, and I got to do this for the kids over here, and I have to do And we constantly go, we're giving out, and we find our soul at some point empty. And the problem is, is when you live on empty, you will certainly die. It is a guaranteed fact of life. Whatever you feed will grow. All you people that love to do the plants out here, if you're like a plant person, you know what I'm talking about, you guys that like to do the gardens and that kind of stuff. Uh, In fact, I think God just feeds everything, all the plants out here altogether. I've never seen anything like it. I grew up in West Texas, and so if if... If some grass dies, it's never coming back unless you just literally pray heaven down on that piece of grass. It's never coming back. Here, it's, um, you could like tear up 37 acres and it's like lush all over again in three days. It's unbelievable. <laughs> right? I've never seen anything like it, but whatever you feel, and we're just in this place where where rain comes down all the time. Again, never seen anything like it. When it rains, you don't talk about recharging my batteries. If it rains, I just will stop, and you can ask my family. I'll just sit there and stare at it because I'm just like this moisture all the time, (laughs) and it's just straight down. There's no hail coming into my eyeball or anything like that, like it does in West Texas. This how that's when it rains, it hails also. So anyway. The point is this, whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. And what we often find in the culture that we live in is our soul is so quickly and easily zapped that we don't have a lot to give. And my question is, is how do you get recharged? What recharges you? Where we find ourselves, that's what we're exploring through this series is that God has definitive design and call on your life. It's the same thing that he had with Nehemiah. There was something that God wanted to do. He had a plan and he put it into the heart. I love the way the scripture describes it. He put it into the heart of Nehemiah to go and accomplish something amazing for his namesake. And assuredly as he did that with Nehemiah, I look at you, I'm saying, If you're here and you're taking breath into your lungs, God has a call and design on your life. He wants to do something big, something that you can't do on your own, something that he wants to rebuild, a place that he wants to renew, a thing that he wants to restore. It might be a relationship. It might be a ministry that God's calling you to. It might be something that he's calling you out to step out in a way that feels risky and crazy, but there's something that God is birthing inside of you, doing in you, and he's calling you up to step up into it. And we come to that pla- we've we come to that place in Scripture where uh, Nehemiah has a church that he's wanting to build. It's, his, it's the people of God, it's the Israelites, and the walls were torn down, and God gave him a vision for rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. But here's this, hear this. It wasn't just so that he could say that the walls were rebuilt, all right? The purpose of rebuilding the walls was not just to say, I accomplished the task. The point of Nehemiah rebuilding the walls is so that the people of God could come back together and experience the life of God among them. It was more than just, let's fix the city because it's, it's been desolated by all the, the, the invading people. But in fact, God wanted to rebuild this thing because he was saying, it's time to come back together and get life again. And this is where we're at in Nehemiah chapter 8. What's happened, let me just uh, catch you up, in Nehemiah 4 and 6, they have all kinds of opposition, and we find them, they're literally building the wall with one hand, and in the other hand, they've got a sword because they are, are under imminent attack from all of the ungodly groups of people around them, people that hate them, people that don't want to see them reconstructed, people that don't want to see the work of God taking place. Chapters four and chapter six, they're battling against these enemies, trying to get this wall built. In chapter five, they're dealing with their own people because all of the nobles are taking advantage of all the people who don't have means. And so Nehemiah has to thump those guys on the head and say, why are you taking advantage of our own people? So you got all the external issues. You got all the internal issues. And if you've ever, if you walk through life, you know there's a whole bunch of external issues that come against you and there's a whole bunch of internal issues that come against you. And Nehemiah is trying to deal with all of it. All the internal stuff, all the external stuff, I want to deal with that. Then chapters, so they get the walls built. Now here's this, this is the cool thing. They get the walls built in 52 days. 52 days, walls of Jerusalem are rebuilt. Now that's, that's fascinating. Now, I can't promise you that whatever your vision is, God's gonna do it in 52 days. But what I can promise you is that God has designed for you He has things externally and internally. He wants to move out of the way so that you can begin to step into what he has for you, but he will accomplish it. He will accomplish it. Uh, So they get the walls built. All right, 52 days, the thing is done, and all of a sudden, chapter seven, hordes of people, tens of thousands of people begin to return to Jerusalem. All right, so here's the promise. I want to get my people together. I want to build my church. I have a vision for you that I want to accomplish and that you're going to step into it, and it, but it wasn't just about the walls. Now the people are coming together. And so the question becomes how is this going to be sustained? Alright, it's one thing to say, yay, we built the walls. Everybody who likes to check off the checklist, say the thing that took place, we got it done. We rebuilt the walls, we got everything, we we took care of the external forces, we took care of the internal stuff, we got all the stuff lined out the way we want it to, and here we are, and now all of a sudden it's time to live, right? I don't know if you have ever been in that place where you tend to like if we could just get to that place, everything would be okay. Have you ever done that before? Like if we could just do this in our marriage, if we could just, if this, just this one kid would just quit being cray-cray, just whatever, if we could just do that or whatever it is, if we could just get to this point in our lives or if, if we could just find the right church or we could just get to the right place, if we just got the right job or whatever the thing is out there, if all that could happen, then everything would be okay. And all of a sudden you find that God lines something out for you and there's still more. There's more. There's there's no plateau that you can arrive in this kingdom. Until you and I see Jesus face to face, there's more. Until you and I see Jesus face to face, there is more that God wants to do. There's more that he's calling you up to. I can guarantee you there's no plateau you will ever reach this side of heaven. And so we've rebuilt the walls here. Uh, Jerusalem has been restored. Now thousands, more than 40,000 people have returned. 40,000 people have returned. And the question is, how do you sustain what God is building? That's the question. Look with me in Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. All right, early morning till midday. So nobody fussing about like 35-minute sermon, all right? This is like long sermon, okay? From early morning until midday. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for this purpose. And beside him stood all these men um, that I will not say their names because you will just make fun of me. These are all men that stood next to him on his left hand. Verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So here's what we see. You have this incredible picture. All right. God's given a vision, called. They've stepped into it. The people have come. And what do they do? They open up to hear the word of God. It's this, they're at this critical moment to do what? What is it that's going to sustain us? What's the thing that's going to push us forward? And the answer is, You have to know and hear the heart of God. This is what they're being undone by. It's critical to be a people who hear the word of God, who get up underneath the word to be sustained, that whatever it is that you're meant to step into, whatever it is that God wants to usher you into, wherever it is that he's taking you, the most critical thing is to hear God's heart, to hear his voice, to know his heart, through the, worship, through, through the word and worship. God wants to refresh us with his word and revive us in worship. You can throw that up on the screen. God wants to refresh us with his word and revive us in worship. This is what he wants to do. This is chapter eight. What's the next thing they do? They open up the word and they just begin to declare it. This is the thing that's gonna move you. It's the thing that's gonna move me. It's gonna sustain us. And the question is then how how does the word of God refresh the people? What does it do here? First, what it does is the word reveals who God is. The word reveals who God is. What I mean by that uh, is this. Um, Nothing, nothing removes the grime, the mess, the yuckiness of life than the word of God over our lives. Nothing. Listen to me. There's no encouragement from a buddy or a spouse or a friend or any of those other things. There is nothing that can revive and refresh us more than the word of God over our lives. Just the total truth of what he says about who he is, about what is in his heart, what's in his nature. Literally, we have to know who he is. It's the most critical, valuable thing that we could possibly have as we walk through this journey. That literally, we cannot know, we cannot know God's heart cannot know who he is apart from his word. Uh, the, the, the great picture I have is that the, the Holy Spirit of God is the gasoline, right? He's ready to pour gasoline on the word, but the fuel, the burning fire is the word of God. That if you are gonna be rekindled, if you're gonna be renewed, you're gonna be restored, you're gonna walk, you're gonna be sustained and refreshed. Uh, if you're gonna be sustained and refreshed, it takes the fuel of the word of God to ignite an understanding of who he is. It changes us. And what we, what we see all the time is, and this is the problem we have. Uh, one of two things happens. Either, uh, when we think about who God is, we either fashion God to be something like ourselves. Uh, and, and I think everybody has been uh, guilty of this at some point in time, right? Is when we think about God, what we attribute to him are attitudes that we ourselves carry and Ultimately, that's a bad idea because you, as much as I love you, are a horrible God. You're very bad at it, Uh, and I'm horrible at it, and it doesn't work ever. And often what we do is we fashion God into our image or uh, we take one small piece of God and then we manipulate that piece uh, into something that we want or something that we like. It's kind of make kind of a half God thing, and you know what I'm talking about. Um, for instance, uh, God is love. Absolutely, we believe. How many believe God is love? God is fully loving, faithful. He's a loving God. But here's what we do: uh, is we say, "Well, God is love, and so because God is loving, and because God is merciful, kind, because He would never ask me to not do something, He, he would never." You know God is loving, so therefore He would never say no to me. He would never do that. You know, if God really loved, that He whatever it is, like we insert that line there, that I can kind of live how however I want to. If God really loved me, I could just kind of do whatever I want to do. He would never tell me no, right? And of course, you know that's all—that's total bunk, right? That's that doesn't work. That's not love at all. We all know that. You know, if you've raised kids at all, you know what I'm talking about, right? At some point in time, um, you know, your, your three-year-old wants to set something on fire. Um, I don't know if that's happened in your house before. Or they feel like the, whatever you're trying to paint the walls with would look amazing on their heads or whatever. Um, uh, or, or whatever. And, and often, um, you have to, in order to be fully loving, you say no. That's... That's a bad idea. You blitzing out with all your might to show me how fast you are into the middle of the road? No, that's not okay. That doesn't work. So, but what we often do is we say, well, uh, if God's loving, so God is going to be uh, this way. And what we do is we try to fashion, we try to wrestle God into a particular way, and the truth is, is God's so graciously loving, he says no all the time. It's what he does So yeah, God is love, absolutely, but he's so much more, right? He's a faithful father, and his word over us is meant to refresh us. Knowing who he is, what he's about, it's refreshing. It pulls the junk of life off of us. But secondly, the word reveals who we are. The word reveals who we are, and this is what's super important to hear. This is what's so critical uh, because if we don't have the word of God revealing and showing us who we are, uh, we end up in one of two places: either we really we end up really overconfident, or we end up really low. Me- meaning this: um, if we don't have the word describing who we are, then we can often like look at someone else and go, "Well, you know what? I'm doing better than that person. I'm, I think I'm doing pretty good." You know. I- My marriage is pretty good. My kids are pretty good. Got a decent salary. I'm doing okay. I think I'm okay, right? And everything's kind of good. And the word's going, hey, you're not that great. (laughs) And let me tell you why. Uh, Not because you're not, listen, hey, Jesus is great and he wants to give you himself. But what God is faithfully willing to do is, hey, it's time to get knocked down a couple of notches and know this life isn't about you and all your comfort. It's about what I want to do and accomplish through you. But I'll tell you this and this is probably more likely what happens is we we look at ourselves and we get low and broken. And we're going, I can't fix this. And I wish I could make this different about me. And I'm such a mess. And I can never get this right and I can I never walk I can never walk in the way that I want to and I feel like I'm failing all the time. And I feel like a total mess and failure. And the word is so faithful to go, hey, you ain't that bad. Not because of you, but I put my life in you. And I want to speak to you who you are. Because when you and I hold on to the majesty of Jesus, it changes us from the inside out. Completely and utterly gives us a new design. That's what the point of the word is. The truth is this, we often have a really unhealthy relationship with the Word. You're probably in one of two camps when it comes to the Word of God. Either you're in here and you go, you know what, I think the Bible's good, I think the Word is good, I think scriptures are okay, I like some of it, I'm not sure if I subscribe to all of it. I kind of like half, I like take kind of the points that I like, that show kind of this part of God and then this stuff over here. Well, maybe that's just some old stuff, and I don't want to give my heart to that. And so we, what we do is we end up kind of crafting uh, God, or we craft the word. We make it kind of like part, yeah, I believe this, and then part. That's just not what our culture says, right? And so we end up just allowing cultural norms to define uh, uh, truth, Like our truth is literally wrapped up in like kind of part whatever God says over here and then just part like whatever CNN or Fox News kind of makes me feel over here on this day. And we tend to do that. And what I would just say is cultural norms are a horrible way to define truth, right? Right? Because if you go to cultural norm 250 years ago, uh, that's ugly in how we treated people that weren't white. Cultural norm was wrong. And if you go back to the Roman culture uh, that were widely walking in pedophilia and all kinds of brokenness, cultural norm is not okay. And if you grew up with Genghis Khan, ravaging people so that you can have more land and territory was the cultural norm. I, we can go all throughout history, look at cultural norm, and say, I'm gonna kind of fashion truth around cultural norm and God saying, listen, I've given you my anchored word that goes throughout all the ages. It's the only thing to set your heart on. It's the only thing to set your truth on. It's the only place. And so either we have an unhealthy relationship with a word that we only half believe it or we only believe half of it or only half of it gets to tell us uh, the truth or if you grew up in church, uh, if you grew up in church, uh, you ended up with this. Um, we're supposed to read the Bible, and if we don't read the Bible enough, you're not doing good enough. Or you hadn't read the Bible enough and you feel really down. Or you feel really condemned because you don't know enough of the word. Or you, haven't, you didn't have your quiet time. I don't know if you grew, if you grew up in the youth group, like we're having our quiet times, and then if you don't have your quiet time, man, you messed up. Um, if you grew up in that kind of Christianese culture, it's often like our relationship with the word is a little adversarial because we don't, we aren't reading it enough. Even maybe even now, as we're talking about how powerful the word is, you're going, I don't know, I don't know that I have a great reading plan, and I don't always spend time doing it. And what, we start doing all these excuses and things going off in our minds and our heads, and we f- ultimately end up feeling judged because we're not approached the word enough. You ever felt judged because you hadn't read the Bible enough? Man, God's waving his hands saying, Listen, that's not. That's actually not how this thing works at all. In fact, the word of God was produced to bring life and truth to you, to bring wholeness, to refresh you. We were literally made to interact with the heart of God. It's what we were crafted for. The only way we can rightly interact with God's heart is in knowing his word, knowing who he is and knowing who we are. It's the only thing that can actually sustain us. And so hear this. God's not angry if you missed your quiet time. Right, he's, not, he's not upset with you. He isn't deflated because you didn't read or because you didn't have enough devotional time with him. That's not how it works. We have a heavenly father that is ready to refresh our hearts with his truth, with his word. He's eager to feed us. He's eager to speak life over us. He's eager to build us up. We feel like we can't stand. We have the word of God ready to say, "I have life to give to you if you'll come to me." So that the relationship with the word of God doesn't have it doesn't have to be about anything other than God is true and he has words of life to speak over me. Period. God is true. His word is true. It's faithful and he has life. To speak over me. That's what he wants to do. Whatever you feed grows, and whatever you starve dies. And so here's my question. What's your relationship with the word of God? Is it a place to be sustained, to be encouraged, to find life? Or have you found it to be a place where you feel judged, or you feel like you can't understand because what I believe what God wants to do in order to sustain us in the vision that he's got for us is have a place, an ironclad place we can come to be made alive, to be made whole. It's what he wants to do. You and I, we are meant to be built up. And the word of God is ready to move forward over our hearts and over our minds to give us life. It's what he does. Look, Second Timothy chapter 3. If you've been in the church for a while, you've maybe heard this text before Says all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man, woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Here's what he's saying: Listen, you and I were meant to be nourished by the Word of God. Period. meant to be encouraged, to be built up. And the problem is we often look at the Bible going, well, how am I supposed to live and what rules am I supposed to follow and what can I do and what can't I do? You ever asked that question before? How much of this can I do before I'm messing up or not acceptable to God or all these different, this, all this, these relationships we have to the word It's often about roadmaps or what can I do or how am I supposed to live? And listen, I can tell you, God is ready to answer all of those questions, but it's first answered in discovering who he is and who he's made you and I to be. It's the base foundation for what he wants to do in us. We're meant to be nourished by his word to get under it. And when that happens, worship, worship is what begins to take place when we rightly see who God is and we want to. Bless his name. We want to bless his name. And that's what happens. And that's what we get to see here in Nehemiah chapter 8. Is when they open the word of God and the word of God goes forward, the people of God become undone. They start lifting their hands The word comes forward, it starts washing over them, they start bowing down, they begin to bless the name of the Lord. They're standing, there's bowing, there's lifting hands, They're shouting, amen. All right, there's all of that happens all the time, okay? We got work to do. We got work to do. There's something that God wants to stir in us, he wants us to lift our hands. There's supposed to be, there's actually a physical response to the word of God over you. So here's my question. When was the last time you had a good old fashioned, I'm getting in front of the word of God and I might get up and do a cartwheel or something like that. I want to say this. If your relationship with the word of God is fright or fear or worry or concern because I'm not doing good enough, I'm going to tell you what the word has to say. You never will do it good enough, but I did it for you. Now come to me receive life. Get hope. Get refreshed. Get nourished by my word. Open it up. You can say, I don't understand it. You don't have to. The Spirit of God understands it, and he lives inside of you. I don't know if you ever, have you ever thought of that? The scripture actually says this, that the Spirit of God searches the depth of God to make uh, uh, to help us to understand who he is. So, if you fi- ever found yourself in a place of opening and reading the word of God and you don't understand it or you're not fully sure what it's saying, here's the good news. Even when you go through and you press through those parts of the word, I don't fully get it, I don't fully understand. The spirit of God totally understands it. And if you'll get in front of it, God will refresh you. We don't have to be adversarial anymore. You don't have to be like, God, I don't get it, I don't understand it. Just come to it and say, God, refresh me with your truth, but I'm coming to you because this is the only source of life. Hear this. It's time that our relationship with the Word changed so that we find ourselves bowing and lifting and shouting and something's taking place inside of us. It's why we come here on Sundays, truthfully. Listen, we come in here on Sundays to hear the word of God expounded upon and to sing songs to lift hands because that's what's supposed to be happening all the time, okay? Meaning this, the word of God needs to go forward in your heart. And if, if the preacher is the only time you're hearing the word of God, church, you have, there is more that God wants to give to you. There is so much more. And I'm a good preacher, all right? I am so good. And you get it on Sunday, okay? And it's coming forth, good. But let me tell you something you need more than that. You need to be refreshed and nourished by the word of God. Open it up. Not just a road map, it's not just a to-do book. It is the it is who he is and who you are in him and it's life. We're meant to and it's meant to elicit praise in our hearts. And it's meant to pull us down when we think we got it all figured out and say you don't trust me for life, not yourself. And it's meant to pull us up when we feel broken and like we can't do anything. But it's meant to move us. So here's my question. What's your relationship with the word? What could it be like if your relationship with the word was not broken and distant, but you are coming to the word to be nourished and to be made alive? What might life look like if we just said, you know what, I'm coming to this thing, I don't fully understand it, but I'm coming believing. What could happen? I'm gonna pray, we're we're done. We're finished with this. You can put your stuff down. Let's just pray and ask him to do this. this. God, we just wanna be the first one. In fact, even just where you're at, is your moment to just be real with him about your relationship with the word. Maybe it's been life-giving to you, Maybe it feels like this daunting thing you don't know what to do with next. Maybe you felt condemned because you haven't read enough of it. Maybe you've struggled to believe that it's the full source of truth for all ages, for all time. Wherever it is that you're at, this is your moment just to be real with the Lord about your relationship with the word. you might even be in this room right now and you're not sure what you be- you know no you're not sure what you believe about the bible just bring that to him bring whatever you got to him god i'm asking right now whatever relationship we have with your word and your truth that's broken god would you make would you make it right would you begin to uproot any broken understanding we have Father, for anyone in here that's just struggling to believe that your Bible is true, preserved faithfully throughout the ages for our benefit, joy, and life, God, would you convince this morning? Lord, for those of us that have felt condemned because we haven't read enough of it or whatever lies that we've heard from the enemy, God, I ask that you would bring in us a hunger to come to it again. Would you open up your word and make it life? Should make it whole. Would you make it alive to us? Now I feel like, actually, just in this last minute, I feel like maybe you're just supposed to ask the Lord, Lord, how am I supposed to interact with your word? I think you're just supposed to ask that question. I think you're just supposed to say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do with your word? I think the Lord wants to just speak to you. It might, might just be a, a thing that comes into your mind. Or would you show this people? Would you show this church? Would you show me? Lord, how are we meant to interact with your truth? Would you give us hunger for it? In fact, if you, if you feel zero, men. This is a great prayer to pray. God, give me hunger for your word. It's hunger. Sustain us. the only way we can be sustained. We love you, God. We thank you. We bless you. Lead us this week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.